Hello there. So today we're going to be talking about Eight-Eyed Spy, one of Lydia Lunch's earlier projects. And they're known as a no-wave band. So the group released one self-titled studio album and one live album in 1981. Their sound is definitely rougher on the edges, incorporating noisy and one might say experimental elements to reject punk rocks, cliches, and new waves, more overtly commercial appeal. So keep in mind, plenty of other bands also had rough sounds at some phase of their development. So really, they're not entirely unique. Of course, they were part of the no wave movement. And as I've mentioned here before, if you want another example of a really noisy, strange sounding band, Look up White Zombie's early music, where Rob Zombie was much more chaotic sounding. It was often very tough to listen to. Um, the few tracks that I've listened to from that stage of White, White Zombie. And the lyrics were often even more insane than the later White Zombie lyrics that more people know and love. And obviously... Those songs are crazy enough, but check out Rob Zombie's early stuff, which in my opinion has lyrics so bizarre that they almost command respect. And as another example, you could even say that Soundgarden's earlier stuff was a bit rougher and more chaotic sounding. It's actually a pretty normal thing in, you know, rock music and other genres as well, too, I suppose. So... What sets Eight-Eyed Spy apart? I don't know, it's kind of hard to say. At least, it does not appear to be that successful of an album or a band, and certainly is not the most conventionally listenable musical projects ever made. At the same time, not only have I heard some rougher stuff, but I've made some noisier stuff myself. You know, I have some old tapes of me making noise on guitar and other instruments that will likely never see the time of day, and that's probably for the best in a lot of cases. And as far as I can tell, Eight-Eyed Spy is just almost like a musical footnote kind of thing. But does that mean I'm dismissing them entirely? Would I say that nobody is a fan? Of course not. You know, it's obvious that some people out there probably like what they did. And uh, a few interesting facts. Guitarist Michael Palmgarden apparently also played with Richard Hell and the Voidoids. And somewhat randomly, he's credited with special effects technician stuff for the film Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever. So it's, it's a little bit interesting that, as far as I can tell, that's his only uh, film crew credit. So it's a little bit unexpected, but hey, you know, the guy got around at least to work on that film. So other Eight-Eyed Spy member, Jim Sklavunos, I might be mispronouncing that, but anyway, he was involved with Sonic Youth and the Cramps, and most recently with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. So it's not like the, the people here are like completely unknown. There's a chance you've heard them at some point 
if you listen to any alternative rock, you know, you've probably heard these musicians before. If you ever listen to bands like Sonic Youth and the Cramps and Nick Cave. So the short-term live band toured at least a little bit before breaking up in 1980 after the death of George Scott III by a heroin overdose. And, you know, you have to say it again, when will the kids ever learn? Uh, Lydia Lunch had a solo career after her previous bands, Teenage Jesus and the Jerks, Beirut Slump, and this band had dissolved. And, you know, during that point when she was starting off, she did have George Scott III in tow, though on one of her early albums, he's credited as Jack Ruby. So I want to say again, this is a rough listen. So I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, this is a recommendation that's going to sit well with everybody. And I, you know, I'll even go further. I'll say it's a relatively unsuccessful effort. But I can see how a person could get into it. It's quaint to hear Lydia Lunch shouting, Go Ask Alice, in their cover of Jefferson Airplane's White, Lo- White Rabbit on their live album. And as an interesting fact... In 1986, she released some eight-eyed spy tracks on the compilation album History. And, you know, so she wasn't that ashamed of her earlier work. The album sounds almost humorous, like it consists of a series of sketches acting as songs or something like that. That's another thing I'll say about it. Like, there's a cover of Creedence Clearwater Revival's run through the jungle that's actually strange as one might expect you know uh it's it's one of those things that i don't really know exactly what they were going for with that track but it it probably does have some appeal to some people you know it's (laughs) so it's 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 weird to have this as a musical recommendation because I'm kind of hesitant to do it, but it's 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 worth checking out if you're curious about no wave as a genre. So Lydia Lunch's solo efforts tend to be a little more conventionally listenable, at least from what I've heard. And I would compare her singing here in uh, Eight-Eyed Spy to plenty of other acquired taste vocalists, including people like Henry Rollins, and Jella Biafra of the Dead Kennedys. And, uh, you know, he at times sings a little more conventionally, actually, especially if you've heard some of his uh, work with bands like Lard, DOA, and Jello Biafra and the Guantanamo School of Medicine. But, of course, you know, it's his, his earlier stuff especially can be rough around the edges. And then you have David Thomas of Pure Ubu, who... He, who has a voice that some people just can't get past. Then you have Marianne Faithful. You know, her voice had previously been more conventionally melodic, and it was even at a higher register. But severe laryngitis and drug abuse lowered her pitch and made her voice more prone to raspiness and cracking. And, you know, there are plenty of other examples I could cite here, but, you know, I don't want to do this all day. Um, But basically, it's tempting to say that Lydia Lunch's earlier work comes across almost as the opposite of Blondie's 
Debbie Harry. You know, she was she was definitely more representative of New Wave, and No Wave was sort of like a sarcastic way of referring to bands that you know went in a noisier direction. To me, Eight-Eyed Spy sounds like a band that lacked focus, but in an interesting way. They sound like the sort of band that wouldn't cancel a tour to support an album if they were unable to raise the money for travel. It seems like they would have just pressed on and kept playing. Um, but of course, that's not entirely true. When that one guy died, they broke up. But they have the sound of a band that's just, you know, embodying the musical spirit of just we're, we're going to play whether there's a receptive crowd or not. You know, like like the kind of band that would say, what tour, what support, what money, what album? You know, it seems like they were just in it to make noise and see what happened. Obviously, I, I could be dead wrong about that, and it probably comes across as dismissive, but that's still the impression that Eight-Eyed Spy gives me. So... As a, as a further comparison, I would say that Lydia Lunch and Eight-Eyed Spy apparently might also be compared to bands like Babes in Toyland. No, I say apparently because I don't think I've really listened to Babes in Toyland much, but I've heard Hole and L7, and, you know, I think they're compared to uh, Babes in Toyland as well. So anyway, that's really all I have to say about <laughs> this uh, musical oddity, this curiosity for now. And um, check them out if you're into that sort of thing, or if you're, I suppose you could even listen to it, you know, to make fun of it if you want, whatever. You know, it's all up to you. <laughs>